Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast, Playoff Edition. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, joined for the first time during the playoffs Ooh. by Kyle Petty, the first guest ever on the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I wow. Sure you remember I, that. I, I can't believe after that one there was a second NASCAR <laughs> NBC Podcast with Nate Ryan. It received such rave reviews. <laughs> We're still going here more than three years later, and uh, we thank you for being here after another eventful playoff race, Texas Motor Speedway. Kevin Harvick wins. We just did NASCAR America, and we talked about the Harvick attitude and mindset going into this race being a lot different yeah. than what we're used to. And he told you guys on the post-race show that they essentially put all their eggs in the Texas basket. For us, we knew we needed to put all our cards in, yeah. um, you know, when we came here. And everybody talks about Phoenix and the things that happen at Phoenix, but we feel like this is better for us than, than Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, just because of, of um, you know, our history and, and the way that our cars are built and, and the things that we do with this particular rules package, we felt like we needed to push everything all in yeah. uh, at this particular race. So uh, Phoenix is, you know, it's just the, the Gibbs cars has ha- have had us beat on the short tracks with this rules package this year. And, and it's been been uh, a little bit tough to make up that ground so uh, we felt like this was our best shot surprised all of us right it it, it did it really surprised me because we just continue to talk phoenix kevin harvick and phoenix kevin harvick and phoenix they go together um but you know kevin kevin said so we went all in we just we just went all in for texas now understand they this is the third year in a row they've won texas in in the playoffs i guess um so at the same time though his his the the piece that stuck out to me was under this package we believe the Toyotas are going to be a better car at Phoenix. So it was like, hey, y'all think I'm going to do good at Phoenix? Watch me right here at Texas. You yeah. know what I mean? One of those things. It was like smoke and mirrors a little bit, but um, man, they went all in. They were two or three tenths faster. The Stuart Haas Racing cars were on first, second, and third. I mean, it was that dominating performance from Stuart Haas Racing and from Kevin Harvick that we got used to a couple of years ago, just clicking them off, clicking them off. Do you think they rope-a-doped Joe Gibbs Racing a little bit and lulled them into a false sense of security? Because you were saying you, yes. you went back on the team plane with Gibbs and yeah. this somber mood at this, yes. how did this happen? And I don't remember Harvick talking a lot about, and yeah. know, maybe by design, maybe just uh, just what happened, but I don't remember him thumping his chest and saying, Texas is our path to the championship. No, I, I listen, after the race was the first time that I, for me... To hear him say, we were confident coming in here, this was our place. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, they didn't say that during the week. They didn't say that during qualifying. They didn't say that before practice. You know, it, it but I, I do believe they caught Joe Gibbs racing on their back foot, on their on their heels. Um, I think they felt if, if I look at, at, at what Denny Hamlin did, if I look at at, at what even Truex and Truex gets a pass. 
Truex gets a pass because they can go there and run their car backwards all day long. They don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They are headed to Miami. Right. Um, and and at, But if you look at it, it's like, oh, you know, I'm Denny Hamlin. We're with Joe Gibbs Racing. We're going to have, at one point in time, we were going to have all four of our cars at, or at, at Homestead. Then we're going to have three of our cars at Homestead. Now we're down to, are we going to have two cars at Homestead? You know, that kind of thing. But I, I think going in there, it was like, we're 20, 24 points ahead. We're safe. Uh, I think it showed coming out of there, you're never safe. Which, if we go off of that, then Joey Logano and Kyle Busch, <laughs> they're not safe going into to Phoenix, but I think it's a little bit different scenario there. Yeah, and certainly Denny Hamlin is not safe. Now below the cut line. Yes. Uh, makes this mistake uh, in the traction compound, which is where Chase Elliott lost it as well. Yeah. Kind of odd that guys running where they're supposed to be grip, and you know we heard drivers say it, it just, it just didn't come in yeah. until about, what, halfway through the race, I guess. Yeah, halfway through the race. But it, this is the traction compound has to, and I've never driven in it, so let me be real clear about that. But they keep talking about an activation temperature or the temperature needs to be up or the sun needs to be just beating down on it. It needs to be a little bit warmer. Um, if I looked, if you go back to what Kyle Larson said um, before the race started, Kyle Larson at one time said, I, you know, people think I'm the first guy to go up there. I'm not the first guy to go up there. I just wait till somebody else goes up there and then I go up there and run faster. Okay. It's basically what he said. So. The guy you think runs the wall and the guy you think is the daredevil and the guy you think is, you know, hell-bent for leather thinks about it a little bit more than, than obviously Brad Keselowski thought about it or uh, Chase Elliott and those guys. Those guys went up there thinking, okay, I can't, I'm not making time where I'm at. Let me get up here and, and see if it'll work. And they were just out of it. They were just out of it. It moved up. If you watch the race, it looks like it moves up about six inches every 20 or 30 laps yeah. until it widens out. And then you can yeah. physically see the shiny part up up towards the top and where they've run it in. And then it became a groove. But when those guys went up there, I, I, I didn't understand them going up there that early with that much to lose. Uh, I didn't understand Chase being up there. I didn't understand Brad Keselowski being up there, even though he's not in the playoffs. I didn't understand him being up there with that much to lose. But I think you saw when his car stepped out and in the background – uh, Ricky Stenthouse had to react, and there was nothing to hold him when he reacted. Yeah, and it's interesting that that accident happened before Hamlin's crash. Hamlin's crash. And obviously Chase Elliott happened <laughs> yeah. in the first, what, 15 laps or whatever. So Hamlin saw both of those things and yet still made the yeah. same mistake. And you've been one of many people talking about it. This has felt like the year of Denny yes. Hamlin. This feels like the year when Denny's finally going to put it all together. And it's it's been mental mistakes, self-induced errors yes. that, that have cost him in the past from being that driver. You know, Currently, I would say, best active driver not to have won yeah. a championship. He, he carries that mantle because of mistakes yeah. like Sunday night at Texas. And, and, I, you know, and I'm a little harsh, and I'm sorry I'm harsh, but I, I go back to... To win to Phoenix, what was that, 11, 12? Uh, 2010. 10, 10. Jimmy's uh, fifth championship. Yeah, yep. okay, all the way back to 10 when they were the best car. Okay, Denny Hamlin was going to win that championship. Going to get it done. They go to Phoenix. Uh, they put themselves in a bad place. Um, but when they show up at, for those press conferences, I thought I'd been out with some of my friends spotlighting deers before until I saw Denny in the <laughs> headlights. I mean, he was like caught. It right, was like it, right. was, it was like he had no he didn't know whether to go left right he didn't know what to do, and took a fast car and took himself out of the race coming out of turn two, 
on the backstretch at, at Homestead. Yep. Um, and still had a shot at the championship. Still, when, until that moment, still could have won the championship. So it was almost like he wasn't between his ears, and I've said this before, he, th- like that he just wasn't strong enough between his ears. And, and it's not focus. It's not that. It's just mentally he just was not up to the task in 2010. I felt like all year long, Denny Hamlin was way past that point. He was the guy. He was the guy. He was at peace with himself. He was confidence. He walked through the garage area carrying a confidence. When they ran bad, he sloughed it off, focused on the next week. And you know what? Most of the time came back the next week and put together a great race. This is the first time that he comes off of a race like Martinsville where there's a little bit of controversy, and he doesn't back it up with a solid run. This is the first time really this year for me watching him. So that scares me for him because now he's in a, I think he's in a must win because I think if you win the first segment and win the second segment, it just gets you back to zero. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then you really got to, then your back's really against the wall in some ways. So Chase is in a better place for me. You know, Elliot, when I look at that, but Denny's, Denny's deal is, um, it's tough, man. And it's tough to be considered a shoe in to go to Homestead yeah. and then with one race left in this round, just be considered out. Well, Denny seemed to strike the right tone in post-race. He yes. owned up to the mistake. He didn't come off as dazed or no. like, oh my God, what happened? Like, the, the way, as you said, KP, uh, like in 2010, that was clearly the mind frame he was in. I mean, that Phoenix race, he had the best car. His team just pretty much screwed him on yes. gas mileage. Yeah, they did. Uh, they, they ran the wrong carburetor. Jimmy Johnson finishes fifth. Denny Hamlin finishes like 14th with a, with a first place car. And then, like you said, he goes to Miami and Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Harvick take turns, you know, drilling oh, yeah. screws in his head over like, hey, man, you know you're under a lot of pressure even though you got the lead. So he, he cracked that year, and I think he would say that now. Now he gets a chance to go to Phoenix and find not just redemption for that, yeah. but you know, get himself to the championship round and win a title. What would it mean? I, it sounds like Chase Elliott might be your pick to win Phoenix, but for, if Denny were to pull it off, would this be like sort of a watershed moment for him, even without a championship? Listen, if Denny Hamlin, for me, and, and I look at this, if Denny Hamlin goes to Phoenix and wins the race, as far as I'm concerned, they might as well just go ahead and engrave his name on the trophy <laughs> because he's yeah. going there and win. That's how, that's how strong a statement that would be yeah. for Denny Hamlin and that team. I, I, I'm just straight up. That, that's the way I feel about it. I also feel like that, and we talk about it all the time, and, and we, we've seen Kevin Harvick do it. Back against the wall, call your shot, and go, go get it done. And Kevin Harvick's done it. We've seen Jimmy Johnson do it. Uh, we've seen Kyle Busch do it. We've seen other drivers, and, and we talk in sports all the time, and, and Denny is, is big buddies with Michael Jordan. When, when it's all on the line, big-time players, big-game players step up to another level. And Denny is in that position to where he needs to be the guy, or as far as I'm concerned, give me the ball. Give me the ball. You know, he just put it all on me. And, and I'll go get it done. And if you give Denny the ball and he goes and gets it done in this, this scenario, under this scenario, he elevates himself to a totally different status than where he is right now in a lot of other people's minds and a lot of drivers' minds. I think a lot of drivers feel like they can still mess with him. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, I, I, and I do. And I think a lot of drivers still get under his skin a little bit. Joey gets under his skin. I yeah, mean, we saw that clearly. Yeah. And you can't. You know, you, you just can't let a driver get under your skin like that, you know. And, and so I think if he does this, 
for me, Denny Hamlin moves. He's a Hall of Fame guy. There's no question about that. No question. We're not talking about that. But from to be considered one of the greatest of this period, and not just a guy who won a bunch of races and won big races, but be one of the greatest drivers of this period of time, I think he's got to come out of, of for me, he has to come out of, of Phoenix with something. Yeah, and I agree. He's a Hall of Fame driver, but he's going to need that championship yeah. to really cement the resume. And it's interesting what you just said there, KP, about guys feel like they can mess with him. Do you think that's partially that he's the guy who hasn't won the championship despite winning 30-something races this far in his career? Is it, is it no. a respect factor, or is it just no. the way he is? No, he is? no, because, listen, nobody would ever mess with Mark Martin like that. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah, You right. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, point. so let's compare yeah. him to somebody like that to, who yeah. won everything – it's not that it's it i don't i don't know what it is and and we talk about it everybody has a personality yeah you know what i mean every and and some people you can mess with and some people you know you can talk to them all day long and it's not going jimmy johnson's one of those guys that i think you could absolutely send him hate tweets every day and he doesn't care yeah. he, he, he kyle bush we know kyle bush doesn't care you know what i mean um and and, and it just because that's not their focus. They they don't care what other people think about them. They don't care what the world thinks about them. Their job is is and Joey Logano is is a great example of a young guy who I think there was a time when you could rattle him, but I think he's way past that stage now. I, I don't think he really doesn't care what Kyle Larson or any of those guys thinks. Of, you know, he didn't come here to make friends. And I said it the other day. He drives every lap in a race car like it's the last lap he'll ever be in a race car. It's the last lap he's ever going to drive. Not the last lap of the Daytona 500, not the last lap of the Brickyard, the last lap he's ever going to drive. He's going to get the most out of it every single lap. There are guys, and, and I've, said this, I've said this on myself a million times. When I started racing, I was 18 years old. So I, I'd roll into Talladega with Pearson and my dad and Kale and Bob, and I've known these guys my whole life. Yeah. And I, I watched them. I worked on my dad's car, and I'm thinking, shh. I'm going to show these 40-year-old guys how to get it done now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just graduated from high school. I'm 18 years old. I've been playing football, basketball, and baseball. Hey, I'm, I'm going to show them how to get it done. And I went out there and run that race and a couple other races, and I realized that those guys were the toughest guys that I would ever meet in my life. <laughs> not, not just physically. great race car drivers. Yeah, but, yeah. but not, not physically, mm -hmm. but mentally – their feet could be on fire. It could be 200 degrees. And you know what? The, Pearson's got a cigarette hung out of his mouth, and he's catching a little wind with his hand out the window, and he's passing you on the outside driving with one hand. They just were determined that nothing was going to come between them and winning a race. Nothing was going to come between them. That's the way it is. And I, I think people mess with Denny because of 2010 because they saw that deer in the headlight look mm -hmm. and and they saw there's a weakness there is a weakness there's that's his Achilles heel you know and and, and that that is that's a there's a weakness there that they try to exploit and when they poke him and mess with him they feel like they're getting in his head you don't poke Kyle you know you don't poke you don't poke um and people poke Joey but Joey pokes back and says and he just walks away from it so it I, I don't know I, I think they mess with him because they, they perceive a weakness. I, in Denny's defense, this this year, I haven't perceived that weakness. You know what I mean? I, I felt like it was really gone. That has gone away to some degree. When the Joy thing last week, it was there a little bit again. 
um, with the imitation and some of that stuff, and that's yeah. okay because that yeah. was cute. I, I give him, I give him credit for that, but it still shouldn't have got under your skin that if you think your car is that good and you think you're that good, just slough it off, man. Yeah. All right, I'm going to come back to modern day, but briefly, I got to step back to 1978. Uh, would that have been the year? 79. 79. Who was tougher, Pearson or Yarborough? Who was the toughest of those guys? Ooh. You know what? That that's that they used to say if if the guys that worked for Kale said if you could tape a five dollar bill to the hood of his car uh-huh. and he could see it flutter, just like waving in the breeze, um, that he would run faster trying to get that five dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? If he could think he could catch up <laughs> to that five dollars. And, and you know what? I, I don't know. Kale was that guy that just was gonna hammer, 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 hammer all day. Pearson was that guy, like Jimmy Johnson, who just got it done and you didn't even notice he was getting it done. You know what I mean? So smooth, so flawless. Um, Kale was up on that wheel sawing all the time. It was two totally different styles, but I can't, they just approached it different, but they were tough. Great perspective. Let's come back to modern day. I want to talk about the two guys who are above the cut line, but not in yet. Uh, Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. Busch is two points up on Logano. Uh, Logano, I believe, is 22 points up um, yeah. or somewhere in that neighborhood of Hamlin. Logano, to me, I mean, talk about a guy who has won a championship and just seems, in some ways, it's not like he's changed because you're right. Like, the last several years, he has just said, this is how I'm driving. Yeah. You guys can deal with it. I'm going to race, you know, with no quarter every lap, and you guys can deal with it. But I feel like I've seen a different side of him as a champion this year in that, and we've seen it through these playoffs, I don't know how he's gotten to this point because uh, he hasn't had a great playoffs. No but idea. Yet, like, look where the team <laughs> is. And to me, it's like that's that's championship medal, right? Yes, I mean, it is. For me, watching them, watching the axle fall out of that thing at Dover, uh, going to Talladega, getting in that wreck, um, and coming back and fixing it, and then going, finishing that round in Kansas out in the grass with, what, 10 or 15 laps to go, it's like, oh, my God, that may be the ugliest round in the history of – the NASCAR playoffs for a team <laughs> to advance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they found a way to come back and not only maintain their points, they gain points. You know, what I mean? they gain just enough to be able to keep moving, to just keep moving, keep moving. Um, and, you know, it's hard to believe here we are uh, coming off Texas as the first top five they've had. But it's also hard for me to believe that the car that he's racing, the 18 car with, with Kyle, Kyle Busch, hadn't won a race in yeah. the last three or four months. And, you know, that doesn't really have anything going either when you when you look at it. Um, because these are the two of the guys, or one of the guys, and the two of the guys that made it to Homestead last year, one of the guys that was considered the big three last year. But, you know, Joy and those guys, I think that's why they are a championship team. That shows what a championship team does. I think Kevin Harvick and what their team did this past Sunday, getting off sequence, having a mistake, coming back from that mistake, that's championship caliber stuff. Uh, we've seen it with Truex's team. There are, and, and, and my dad always used to say this, is there's guys that can go fast and there's guys that can race. But there's very few guys that can go fast and race at the same time because racing is different than just going out and running fast. It's a totally different art. Um, There's teams that can run a race, but there's teams that can win a championship. And they're not always the same teams. Okay, it's not always the same group of guys. And and I think when you look at Rodney Childers and and Kevin, championship, when you look at 
Adam Stevens and Kyle championship. When you look at Cole Pern and, 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 and Truex and you look at Joey and Todd Gordon, those are championship caliber teams. Paul Wolf and, and, and Brad, even though they're not there, I'm not sure Denny um, and um, Chris Gabehart, G- Gabehart, first year crew chief, have proven yeah, that right. they're there. I'm, I'm not sure of that. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm not sure that Jimmy with somebody else, and I'm not sure that Chad with William Byron. So, yes, we have elements of championship caliber teams, but they're not always put together. So, I think sometimes you got to go down the list and look and say, this is why these guys are where they are. Um, because they've proved it. They've proved it with other people. They've proved it with the people they're with. But at the same time, it's a combination of that. And everybody's not going to win a championship. You, you know what I mean? Everybody's just not. I, I think it, it's real funny to me that, and, and we talk about it all the time, is that, and I was just a regular driver. I was a journeyman driver. I won seven or eight races, set on some poles, had some good years. And in and, and the NFL, I would have been a journeyman player. I was not Tom Brady. But I didn't sit on the bench either. I got to play. You know what I mean? So you're you're that kind of player. In every sport, you have those players. Everybody's not going to be the GOAT. You know what I mean? Everybody <laughs> yeah, can't be the, the greatest one. of all time. Yeah. You just can't be that. Yeah. Um, but, but there's certain players and certain people in every sport, I think, that gets an opportunity to at least look at that and say, I could be under the right. And I think Truex has become that. I think Joey's that at 27 or 28. Kyle Busch is definitely that, definitely that. Jimmy Johnson. Um, I think Denny right now has an opportunity to look at it, but will he have an opportunity to join that club and move forward? Yeah. It's going to be interesting. That'll be a cruel reality in some ways if yes. it doesn't happen. If it doesn't I mean, happen. I, That's right. It's it's like it's, it's one of those things about sports is that it's it makes for a great storyline in a way if he doesn't win it, but it's yeah. just agonizing for the for athlete him. involved. Yeah. I mean, he's oh, been 10 years on the doorstep of this. And yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like there's somebody standing there and Denny's trying to get in the hottest club and the bouncer <laughs> keeps going with the guy behind him. You know what I mean? It's the guy behind you, not you. No, no, not you. The guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. that visual yeah. where where it's just you never you never get picked. And and um, Denny is a great race car driver. Okay, I don't want anybody to take anything away from anything that I'm saying to say that Denny Hamlin's not a great race car driver and and hasn't been a great race car driver and has won big races and has done everything he's done and has done it on his own the hard way and he has earned everything that he's got but that doesn't necessarily mean that you get to to cross into that sacred ground so that's that's tough yeah Denny Hamlin actually once owned a nightclub, so he yes, probably had right. no problem getting true, in. True, that's true. That's true. Bad example. Doesn't work that <laughs> way in the cup championship. No, really good example. Really good analogy. A uh, guy who probably doesn't worry about nightclubs at all, Kyle Busch. Oh. Uh, all he worries about is racing. Uh, you mentioned his relationship with Adam Stevens. I mean, he sat here around Motormouse last week and talked about how things are still good, even though yeah. they haven't had a clean race uh, really in the playoffs. And you mentioned they haven't won since June, but... Like Logano, I mean, he hasn't had as as ugly a playoffs, but Kyle is is right there, poised to advance to the championship round. I felt like we saw some relief yeah. from him post Texas that's been missing in the one word answer Kyle post yes. race that we've yeah. seen. Yeah, I, I think I think that Kyle for me, and this is my analyst or my smart, like quick witted. That's the the word for smart ass. My smart ass <laughs> way of doing is has not been. Even though we get it, there's been too many distractions for him. 
Yeah. I think there's been a lot of distractions. And and with things that go on on the racetrack, that's why we get those one-word answers. That's why, you know, whether it's running into a car at, at Vegas and, and so it, you get those one, and that becomes a distraction for him. I think we saw Kyle at Texas be a lot more focused. If Kyle shows up at Phoenix focused, I feel sorry for everybody in Phoenix. If he shows up focused, focused, and if he goes in the homestead, he's going to be dangerous. But Kyle Busch, we talked about it. You know, he's won 200-plus, I guess, NASCAR races, which was a category that they made up for Kyle Busch, okay? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I, I don't mean that bad. It's no. because somebody had to create it, and Kyle Busch created it. So yeah. I, I'm good. But it was, wasn't a, it was not a category, a category in 1960, in 1970s, in the 1980s, in the 1990s. It yeah. just wasn't a category. So yeah. it's a new category, and that's okay. But I think... That 200-plus thing detracted from the point that he won plus 50 and moved into the top 10. You're right. And there's That's been huge. almost no focus no on that. No focus yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Busch yeah. is in the top 10 of all-time winners. No one talks about that. The of NASCAR, the Premier Series. Of the yeah. Premier Series. In the top 10 at 30, what, 3, 34? Right 34. Up, 34, yeah. right along. Yep. Huge. That is Huge. It's like the Jimmy Johnson five in a row that nobody ever wants to talk about. The most amazing <laughs> record in, in sports in a lot of ways. So I look at that sometimes, and, and, and I've had this conversation with Kyle, and I said, you know, you can take the 200. I don't care. You know what I mean? That, that's okay. But that, moving into the top 10 at your age in the, against this competition in this day and time, that's huge. That's huge. That's, that's underrated. People need to – he – and listen – we celebrated Kevin Harvick winning 49. Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson are the only two guys out there that have won over 50 races that are, competi that are competing right now. You know what I mean? Tony Stewart retired at 49. Okay? He's not going to get to 50. Yeah. Kyle Busch yeah. is on the other side of Tony Stewart. We can name off a lot of people that Kyle Busch is on the other side of um, that are in the Hall of Fame. Okay? <laughs> that are in the Hall of Fame. So the thing is, I, I look at Kyle, and I, I just think Kyle's had an off year because he's made mistakes on the racetrack that I don't remember him making last year. Um, but this package is a different package, too. And he's had to change his driving style, just as Jimmy Johnson's had to change his driving style. And we've seen Jimmy make mistakes. And we've seen other drivers make mistakes with this package. So it's a little bit different. It, but Kyle has always been that guy that you throw the COT on him. Boom, he wins the first race. And he gets out and says, it's the biggest piece of crap he ever <laughs> set in. But he won with it. Yeah. You change a body style. Boom, he wins. You know what I mean? So it's been kind of a little puzzling to watch him go through this process with this car and not be the first guy to latch onto it and just dominate That's with it. That's a good point. Yeah, and he talked about being frustrated Sunday night at Texas that he couldn't figure out what to tell the team. Yeah. Like it was just, it had him flummoxed, which is weird for yes. a guy like that who always is so adaptive, but certainly a, another championship would go a long way to solving that. Before we let you go, I want to wrap up here. Uh, talk about another Kyle, Kyle Larson. Felt as if he was wronged yep. uh, by Bubba Wallace intentionally spinning. What really killed our race was the 43 spinning on purpose. You know, it, it put us a lap down. Really helped the four and really killed you know, us and a few others. So um, crappy finish. Um, you know, I felt like we were going to have a good shot to, to win up until the 43 spun on purpose. So it's the second straight week that it seems like a guy spun on purpose to bring out a yellow. Do you want NASCAR to do something about that, or is that just... Yeah, I mean, I'd love, I'd love, dude, I mean, it's, it's BS. I mean, I, I've done it, I mean, we've all done it in those positions, you know, but, um, you know, until NASCAR steps in, and whether it's a 
a fine of some sort or a penalty with points or something, I mean, people are still going to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it helped, it helped him from going a few laps down or a few more laps down than he already was, but then it, it killed – you guys like us and, and Eric Jones who had a good shot of, of run up front, Kurt, and um, it, it you know made us have to restart way in the back. So um, yeah, it, it it just it just sucks. We're all guilty of doing it. You know, I've done it before and came back and won Eldora. Um, so I mean, we're all guilty of it. But until NASCAR does something else about it or or something, I mean, they don't really do anything. Uh, we're going to continue to do it. Well, that was very obvious. Uh, the 43 was spinning on purpose. I mean, he turned right and then left to spin out. So, um, yeah, I mean, when it's when it's blatant and that obvious, you know, I think it's pretty easy for them to, to notice it and make a call on it. Well, how hard is it to prove someone did it on purpose in your eyes? I, I think uh, Helen Keller could have seen that. I guess it's up for debate only in the sense that Bubba Wallace hasn't come out and said, yes, I spun right. intentionally. I think yeah. everybody feels as if it's fairly obvious that was him causing a caution on purpose. Uh, same with Logano the, the week before at Martinsville. That that was fairly, and, and Boyer, I think, as well. So uh, we just talked about this on NASCAR America, but yeah. I want to give you the chance, this platform, to kind of expand on it, because I've heard you talk about this <laughs> a little more at length, and I, feel, I think there's more to it from your perspective than just drivers doing it intentionally. You also have to factor in NASCAR and the way yeah, they officiate do. races. Right? Yeah, you do. And I'll go back to Martinsville. And let's start, let's just go back to Martinsville. If you go back to Martinsville, there were guys early in the race at Martinsville that scraped the wall, boom, yellow's out, caution's out. Um, and they did it two or three times. NASCAR, quick with the caution, threw the caution in the first segment, second segment, whatever. But then we get down and, and Boyer has trouble and, and, Joey has his issue. Where's the caution? You threw one like an hour ago <laughs> for a less, you know, a less flagrant, uh, a lesser incident on the racetrack. Why, why didn't you throw it? If they had thrown it, we wouldn't have had a car spin. You wouldn't have had a car spin. So you cut it off right there. So Joey and Clint obviously felt like because NASCAR didn't give them their caution, mm -hmm. right. whether it deserved perceived, perception, whether it was deserved or not deserved or whatever, they felt like, well, we, we're not getting our caution, so we'll get our own caution. So they got their caution. I don't remember a huge outcry <laughs> on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday before we got to Texas about people causing cautions. And there were more cautions caused at Martinsville by people intentionally spinning than there were at Texas. Yep. Okay? Yep. Now, let's go to Texas. And there is no doubt in my mind that that Bubba spun that car to get a caution. And you know what? I do not fault him at all because he had a flat. Drivers are greedy. It's all about Bubba. You know what I mean? It, this is all about Bubba spinning, staying on the lead lap, doing whatever he had to do for him and his team. And that's what every driver, every driver does it. Every driver... Nobody, I, and, and you said we were talking with Jeff Bird. I, I looked at Jeff. I said, did you ever do on, anything on the racetrack and say, I'm going to do this because that's going to help that other driver? <laughs> no. No. No, you didn't. It was about you, and that's the way it has to be. So Bubba spins, and he's thinking about him. He's not thinking about Kyle Larson. He's not thinking about Eric Jones. He's not thinking about Joey Logano. He's not thinking about Kevin Harvey. He's not thinking about anybody. He's thinking about him. Okay? He spins. Does it ruin their night? Yes. Has Kyle Larson ever spun and stopped on the racetrack? 
Yes. He has. He yes. did it at Eldora Speedway and then run a, won a race. And he was penalized it. for it. Penalized a lot. And I think that uh, should be Kyle's argument. Yeah. You penalized me for doing it one right. time. Why didn't you penalize that guy? Not point at Bubba and say, that ruined my race. It did ruin your race. We got it. I got you, dude. You know what I mean? You know, we see other guys on a weekly basis have issues and come back. He didn't come back the way he wanted to. And that's not a knock on Kyle Larson. I think they looked at that specific incident and said, that ruined our race. And I do understand that. But I don't fault Bubba. I don't fault Joey. I don't fault Clint for causing it. You know, NASCAR either is going to have to call it or do what they do and not call it and let you spin. Now, I would rather him just not call it and, l and let you spin, okay? Because I'm not up to my eyeballs with different rule dash six seven <laughs> dash one point three only on sunny days when the temperature is between 72 and 82 we will call this rule you know i yeah. mean at some point in time you you have to either let them play yep. or don't let them play you, you know what i mean and and for me it's it you you gotta you gotta figure it out but at at the same time i understand kyle's frustration kyle larson's frustration to think we were close enough. We felt like the track was coming to us. We felt like everything was going to be where we needed it to be uh, to be able to move on. And and look, this is the farthest that a Ganassi car, this is the farthest that, that Kyle ha has gotten, and he sees it slipping away, and he ran all day long, and he gained one point. He went from 24 out to 23 out. Uh, so that's a frustrating day for a team. That's a frustrating day to put in a solid effort, to put in a solid day, and be able to point at that car over there and say, that's the reason I finished here, and I only gained one point. So I, I do understand the frustration, but that's part of the pressure and part of the playoffs. Yeah, and it's probably not going to – if he doesn't make the championship round, that's, that's not, the, not reason. the reason. That's not the reason. Tony Stewart, by the way, I asked him after Harvick's win because he came in the media center. Uh, Tony, question for you. Kyle Larson felt that NASCAR should have penalized Bubba Wallace for causing an intentional caution, and there's been a couple of instances in recent weeks where – intentional yellows have potentially not been called. Do you have any thoughts on that as a, dr a driver? Should NASCAR step in more in those situations? Or? You know, honestly, I feel like NASCAR's backed in a corner uh, on scenarios like this. I mean, I think there's so many things just like, you know, the rule of double yellow lines at, at Talladega and Daytona. I mean, there's so many ball and strike calls that they have that they're put in the position of having to make. I think they got to find a way to make it simpler to where it is what it is. I mean, there, Bubba wasn't working for any team, any manufacturer. I mean, he was trying to take care of himself in that scenario. So, you know, it could work for you one week. It could work against you the next week. It's uh, it's just part of it. I mean, but to put NASCAR in that position where they have to act and react to every single thing that happens, I wouldn't even want to be a NASCAR official if that's the way it had to be all the time. So, Same thing happened last week, right? At what point do you sit there and say enough's enough and it just uh, – at some point, we've got to somewhat adopt the the old time tradition of keep it simple, stupid. It's just got to be simplified to where they don't have they shouldn't have to sit up there and babysit every single thing that everybody does all the time. There's enough rules and regulations that they have to do that need to be in place, let alone the things that they shouldn't have to be put in those positions. So, it's. Uh, I mean, you can ask 10 different people. They're going to give you 10 different answers on it. I just feel bad that NASCAR has to be put in that position and that, you know, after a race like that, that that's what they got to be scrutinized for is because they're trying to do their job. So there, there's plenty of things that we give them a hard time for not doing. There's plenty of things that they do right. 
but there's plenty of things that they shouldn't have to be put in those positions, and I feel like that's one of those. And it sounds to me like it's one of those, you know it when you see it. That's right. You know, like if it's a f- flat tire and somebody spins, yeah. maybe you always allow dispensation there. But if it's Clint Boyer yeah. intentionally spinning to manipulate a race outcome. Yeah, yeah that's totally different. That's, that, totally that's, different. T- that, that's totally different. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, when you're seeing, when you see the, the flat tire thing and, and you see that, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you know, but you're right. The intent is still the same, no matter what, because, it, well, not with the manipulating race, <laughs> but the intent to cause a caution is, is a, if, if it's there, then maybe you need to say, okay, there was intent, let's throw it. But, God, man, what are you going to do? Put cameras in every car, put a GPS in. And, and I'll go back to, 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 to Bubba's just for a minute. Even though it looks like he's running probably 35 or 40 miles an hour when he spins, he's still running 75 or 80 miles an hour with a flat tire when he gets to that point, whether he's up on the track or not. Um, so you kind of got to keep some of that in mind too. It's not as controllable as you look. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> I obviously, I can attest well, to that. Ob- obviously, <laughs> because if you do spin to cause a caution to help yourself, don't do as Bubba Wallace and hit the inside wall at the same time, okay? Because that's not cool. You know what I mean? You want to yeah. keep your car going right. Good advice and uh, good analysis. We appreciate you putting a period on this discussion. We, we have now thrown the yellow flag or maybe the red flag on all intentional I hope so, man. I hope so. For the no remainder more. of the playoffs. Thanks so much for being here, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, appreciate as always. It. Our thanks again to Kyle Petty for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC podcast, Playoff Edition. Kyle's appearance on the podcast means that we now have had all four of our crack NASCAR and NBC analysts join the Playoff Edition of the NASCAR and NBC podcast over the past eight weeks. We've had Jeff Burton. We've had Steve Letarte. We've had Dale Jarrett. And now we have had Kyle Petty. All of them do a fantastic job and bring terrific insight. We've gotten some really good content, not just for the podcast, but also for the website out of the discussions we've had here. And that is a huge credit to all of them, especially when they're willing to give up so much of their time. On a day like today, Kyle Petty stayed after NASCAR America taped on a very busy news day when we had an interview with Roger Penske. And Kyle Petty hung around for about 45 minutes after the show just to tape the podcast and we really really appreciate that and as always you should be checking out the work of all of our nascar and nbc analysts on tv this weekend from ism raceway near phoenix it is coverage of the final race before the championship round at homestead miami speedway this will set the four driver championship field and things will get started friday with the first cup practice on the nbc sports app That is at 4 p.m. Eastern from ISM Raceway. And then final cup practice on NBCSN, 7 p.m. Eastern, Friday from ISM Raceway. On Saturday, we've got NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And cup qualifying for Phoenix beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, also on NBCSN. And that will be followed by the Xfinity Race Countdown to Green on NBC. That starts at 3 p.m. Eastern from ISM Raceway near Phoenix. Green flag shortly after 3.30 p.m. again on NBC. That's also the place for the post-race show as well, so make sure to check out the Xfinity race this Saturday. That also will be setting the championship field for the Xfinity Series championship round at Homestead Miami Speedway. All that coverage gets underway on NBC at 3 p.m. Eastern. And then finally, Sunday, the cup race from ISM Raceway near Phoenix, starting with NASCAR America, 1.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. That is the network, NBC, 
followed by Countdown the Green. The green flag will drop at ISM Raceway sometime after 2.30 p.m. Eastern, again on NBC, and that will be followed by the post-race show, also on NBC, and you can flip over to NBCSN for Victory Lap, which will be starting sometime around 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That will be Daniel Trotta, A.J. Allmendinger, and Parker Kligerman on site at ISM Raceway. So again, Sunday, NBC is the place for all of your cup race coverage from 1.30 p.m. Eastern until about 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can check out on NBC which four drivers will make it to the championship round at Homestead Miami Speedway. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Please leave a rating or review if you like what you're hearing. And also, you can check out the YouTube version of this podcast, taped all of these on camera. They are available on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page. Be sure to go there, check those out, and subscribe as well. A lot of good content comes through there. That's where we have Splash and Go. That's where we have the NASCAR America debrief after Motormouth. So lots of good content on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page. And as always, if you have any feedback for me on anything, you can send to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.